we we react to every little thing that pops up right we're we're got we're kind of like this notification generation where it's like every time there's an alert we like we look at it or we try to fix it instead of just creating the space to be proactive and say this is the this is the path that i want to take and i'm not going to allow the outside things that aren't in alignment right i'm not going to live in this zone of reactivity I'm going to stay in alignment with what's important to me, and I'm just going to keep moving forward. Welcome to the Millennials and Money podcast, the podcast dedicated to encourage millennials to continue to make wise decisions with their money. We find some of the best ways to learn is through stories. So each week, your host and wealth advisor, Payne Boyer, invites a millennial guest on the show to share their money story. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. So this week, I got a very special guest with me. Um, his name is Jameson Jones. He's the regional manager of uh, Cutco Becker Marketing. He's a great friend of mine. I'm, Jameson, I'm gonna give you a second to introduce yourself here. Sure. Let me, um, let me start by just sharing how you and I know each other. Yeah. So Jameson, you are actually my parents' neighbor. Correct, uh, you, yeah. You were my parents' neighbor, you've since relocated. But um, my nieces and your daughter, my nephew and your daughter, They'd, they'd hang out together all the time and I'd come over and I'd, I believe I met your daughter before I met you. Yeah, that probably sounds about right. My kids are, uh, they're pretty social. <laughs> yeah, it's super so Yeah, I love the fact that your kids and my niece is like, it's like how it was when we were growing up as kids, you know, right. they just come to the house, like she'd run across the street, knock on the door, like knock a thousand times. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but and then, um, my dad told me to talk with, talk with you. He actually told me that um, you're in Becker Marketing and that we'd resonate um, vibe together. I've met with you a few times since. Um, I love what you're doing with your business. You know, I think you've done some awesome things. I think you'd be a great guest for the show. Yeah. You've also several other young guys who work for Cutco who I enjoy working with. So with no further ado, I'm gonna allow you to introduce yourself, Jameson. And um, just a little bit about your past and what motivates you and what you do today. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as you mentioned, my name is Jameson. I, uh, my, my official title with Vector is a division manager. Um, but first, you know, I'm a family, family guy. That's like my, my top priority. So I'm married. Um, I got four kids. So oldest is 13, youngest is 10 months. So pretty, pretty big window. I, uh, I really like to be involved with my, my kids, um, just lives. So I, uh, I coach, I coach my daughter's soccer team, so the indoor team, the outdoor team, and then also my son's t-ball team. And uh, I plan on being involved with with all my kids in that an aspect if that's what they want to do, right? So I think that's that's probably my top priority, and that's that serves as probably one of the big motivators for my financial, um, you know, game plan and my my goals that I have. Um, but my role as a as a business owner is that I essentially own and operate my own location for Vector Marketing and Cutco. Here in Elk Grove, so it's uh, my 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 location uh, covers most of the Sacramento metro area, and um, I have about sixty to hundred sales reps that I manage. They're all independent, ten ninety nine uh, contractors, and they all have different uh, responsibilities. And there's kind of different arms within that business. So we have like our uh, our gift specialists who work with business owners to to cultivate like. Uh, unique personalized gifts that have some great tax benefits for the purchaser, but also leave a great lasting impression for the people they give gifts to. Uh, we have our consumer business. So this is where we would sell direct to consumer for like household use. And there's two uh, big different waves of that. We have um, one that's our new rep sales. So these are like college students that are doing this part-time around their school schedule. And then I have a team of about 15 career representatives that work like vendor events and like the state fair. If you've ever seen like a Cutco booth somewhere, uh, that's typically that group of people. So that's that location. And then I, uh, I oversee 18 locations throughout Northern California. So I help train and manage all the, all the location managers. So that's, that's pretty much what I do is I, I run my location and I, I use it kind of as like a model to help train and develop new managers to open their locations. And they're almost operating like a franchise uh, more than anything, because there's systems and there's structures in place, and and they just kind of step in and duplicate it. But they are responsible, like any other business owner, for all the, uh, you know, financial aspects and you know liabilities that they would have as a business owner. So yeah, 
And that, that's one thing, I, one thing I've came to notice. There's actually two things I want to touch on. The first thing I, you said is that how important family is to you. And that's kind of what motivates you for making your financial success and uh, live the kind of lifestyle you're living and still choose a career where you're able to, able to coach your daughter, able to coach your son in T-ball. And I do the same. I coach my daughter's soccer team. And you know, I talk to my clients a lot about, you know, when I ask them what their financial goals are, a lot of times they give me a dollar amount and I'll tell them it's not so much about a dollar amount. It's the quality of life that you want to live. And and that all begins with like what I call money purpose plan. It's a fancy way of saying a budget. Sure. Just money. I ask my clients, so what is it that you value? And then I'll make sure their spending is aligned with their values. And it sounds like you've done a good job to do that because you value your time with your family. Right. So structure your lifestyle to where, I'm spending majority of my time in the in areas I value, yet I'm still living a successful financial lifestyle by the way I set my plan up. And that's right. kind of the approach planning with all my clients. I love that. That's great. Secondly, I love how you ma- like you manage a team of sales reps. I think a lot of people, including myself, until I met you, I thought Becker, thought Becker or I thought Cutco was um, multi-level marketing, but it's actually yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about that a bit. I'm sure that happens to you all the time. Yeah, no, it's, and, uh, you know, when I was newer at, at uh, you know, my role with Vector, I used to almost get a little bit offended by that, you know, because we're like, oh, we're not multi-level. But I, I think there's actually a lot of uh, great aspects of multi-level marketing. Um, but it's just not what we do. We're, we're direct to consumer, direct sales. So we do work off referrals. So our, our representatives do generate referrals to sell to other customers by asking for referrals and generating new leads. Uh, but they don't get compensated off of a downline. So they're not going to go recruit their friend who recruits their friend who recruits their friend and get paid off of all of those. So that's the one, that's the one difference that I think a lot of people uh, uh, mistakenly expect the, the structure to be, but that's not how we do things. And what's really cool for our sales reps, especially the new ones, is uh, we have so much confidence in our product and we know that the product is a really useful product. Like that's one of the reasons why I've, I've loved selling Cutco. It's that it doesn't matter what demographic you come from, right? You could be rich, poor, any nationality, you have to cut your food into bite-sized pieces. <laughs> and, um, and Cutco is one of those products where you can use it and whether you're buying one thing or a whole bunch of things, it's gonna be a useful tool for, for people and it's something that they're always gonna need and the product has a forever guarantee. So if you break it, it doesn't work right, it's not looking good, just send it in and the company will give you a brand, brand new one forever. So like I've seen customers who have gotten their products from their grandma and grandpa who bought it in the 40s and the 50s and they're still replacing it and still giving brand new ones. So it's just, it's such a great product. And because of that, we ensure a, a base pay for our sales reps, which I think is also very unique. So our sales reps get $20 for every appointment that they do. So whether they make a sale uh, or not, they're guaranteed $20 for every appointment that they do. However, uh, when they make sales, they have the opportunity to earn more uh, on their commissions. And we compare the amount of appointments they do to their commissions every week. And whichever one is higher is, uh, is the one that they get. And usually about 85% of our sales reps will make more on their commissions than their, their base pay every week. So the commissions typically far outweigh the, the base pay, but it's great for the students because it gives them um, an unpressured platform to learn sales skills, to get out there in the field, to try different things, and then also uh, the space to actually learn how to improve without feeling like ah, that, that pressure of I got to go sell something or I'm not going to eat, you know, or I'm not going to be able to pay my bill or my phone's going to get turned off. So, um, so that's, I think one cool thing or one big difference that, that uh, a lot of people don't know about Cutco and Vector. Yeah. I, I know a few weeks ago we had Henry Sanchez on our, on our show. Yeah. You asked to him, he was saying, he remembers being a college student. He, I, I believe he has a degree in engineering. He does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's being a college student. He was saying that, like, he had just made a big sale. Like, he thought it was like, wow, I just made 500 bucks in, like, two hours. And, like, you're, changing, you're literally changing these kids' lives. So what has that been like for you? We're going to get more into about you, but just before we hop there, what has it been like for you managing these college students and 
we're letting them see this level of success. I, I know they all don't make it, but the ones that right. do, it's, it's got, got to feel pretty good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really great. You know, I think one of the fulfilling things about being uh, a mentor or a, a sales trainer for this uh, particular age group um, where, you know, most of the students are here is that I found that that 17 to 22 year old window is one of the most pivotal ages for people in their life, right? Like a couple of, a couple of choices, a couple of associations, a couple of, uh, of just decisions differently will send you on a completely different trajectory. Um, and I found that if somebody focuses on a little bit of personal development at that point of their life, right? Like they learn how to get out of their comfort zone. They learn some good communication skills. They learn how to respond instead of react to circumstance as it presents itself. When they learn how to do that at that age, it just makes them wiser and more capable. And ultimately, when they're able to apply it and get good results in a workplace, it also makes them more valuable in the marketplace to either accomplish more and create great business opportunities for themselves or uh, get looked at and recruited by other companies to go on and do great things with other companies. So uh, I just think that it's great. And like, like managing any group of young adults, like it's going to have, you know, it's ups and downs and it's going to have those moments of like, oh man, I can't believe like these guys think this way. But I, I also, I'm grateful that when I was at that age, my manager was in a, in a position to where he, he valued what he was doing. He valued the coaching and guidance he was giving because it ended up being a game changer for me. And that's allowed me to help a lot of other people to do. So that's, I guess, one of the things that I think about is that it's a lot about perspective, but also recognizing that we have a pretty we have a pretty valuable role in a lot of people's lives. And I, I you know, I've met some people, you know, over the last I've been here now for 17 years. So in the last decade and a half or so, I, you know, I've met some people that that have gone on to be some of my closest friends, even groomsmen in my wedding, um, that I met, you know, that I worked with in this company. So it's been it's been pretty cool. That's awesome, man. It sounds like you've had an awesome ride. Yeah. So that's Oh, um, to the beginning, you know, I, this, like I said, this podcast is all about money and money decisions. And I found that through most of my clients meetings and as adults, people who I meet, that the general mindset around money itself, whether it be a surplus mindset or a scarcity mindset, those, that foundation is kind of built as children when they, when they're kids in their childhood. And that's, I'm not saying that's where the way they stay forever. It can always be changed, but that's where those initial seeds get planted. So let's talk about your life. What was childhood like for you? I know you're from Stockton. That's a, people who are not in California. That's a really tough neighborhood. That's a really tough. <laughs> so, yeah. You you made it out. So congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. But, I survived. Yeah. Yeah. You survived. You get a shirt. I survived Stockton. Yeah. But, but um, talk to me about your childhood. Yeah. So um. My childhood was was pretty pretty unique. Um, so I grew up, and my mom has a lot of brothers and sisters, right? She had, she had, uh, she's she's Mexican, and uh, I want to say, and I haven't even met all of them. Some of them I've never even met, but she has uh, eleven brothers and sisters. When you include the half brothers and the full brothers and sisters, and you know, pretty pretty big family on that side. And uh, it was very, very diverse, right? So uh, my mom married a blonde, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white guy, and uh, all my all my cousins are either black, Filipino, Mexican, like so. Christmases and family, just a lot of diversity, a lot of a lot of uh, just different different ethnicities and backgrounds, and it was really cool to see all of that. And um, when I was about five, almost six years old. Um, my father passed away unexpectedly. Um, he was a sheriff for San Joaquin County and he passed away in a car accident. And, uh, at the time we had recently moved out of Stockton and we were living in Valley Springs. So I remember we had this big house in Valley Springs and, um, there was a lot of land and I don't, you know, I was still pretty young, but some of my first memories came from like, like there, like I remember seeing my first snake at our house, right? Like it was like in our front porch. Uh, and that's like a vivid memory of mine. And then um, after my, my father passed, we had to move back uh, to Stockton. So we moved back to Stockton and we lived with um, some of my other aunts and cousins over the next few years. So like I shared a bedroom with a couple of my other cousins as I was growing up. 
uh, and there was you know multiple families in one household and money was one of those things where there were times where it was good right where we were we were eating steak on Sundays and then there was other times where it was spaghetti five days in a row you know and there was there were these ups and downs and um, and I uh, I'm trying to remember the book but there was a book that talks about your money blueprint blueprint right I want to say it was by T Harv Eckert I'm trying to remember the name of the book uh, maybe it was uh, um, millionaire mindset or I, I forget specifically but yeah. anyways I remember thinking about that and there was definitely an element of scarcity and when there was abundance it was mismanaged right it was like like treat yourself you you've got this money you did like you have extra now let's spend it and that's kind of the way that our household worked in these cycles and one of the things that I remember seeing is I remember seeing my mom work a lot Right. I remember seeing her start her day really early. My grandparents would take take us to school, but she would start around like six in the morning and then she would do other things um, like side jobs, extra hours. Um, she unfortunately bought a bunch of houses during the housing crisis back in like the uh, the, the mid uh, 20, 2000s. Right. Like that 2004, five, six, seven, like that window. And um, I, I watched like kind of this like real sporadic up and down cycle. And there was a few things that I took from it. The, the first thing that I noticed or that I took from it is that I wanted, uh, I wanted to, to be more present. Not that my mom wasn't. She definitely was there. She never missed a recital, never missed a game. But I saw that she was just always physically going. She always had a lot going on. And I remember thinking to myself, like, man, there's got to be a better way. Like, my mom's so talented. She's so smart. There's got to be a better way to earn money. So that was probably one thing that stood out early on. And then also recognizing the ebb and flows and learning. Uh, one, I noticed that I, I kind of mirrored that until I, I, I had, like, some more awareness with it. Like, when I got a bonus at work or a big commission, it would be like, let's go spend it. And I wasn't really, like creating the foundation. I was paying myself last instead of paying myself first, right? And, and that was some of the stuff that I noticed that I wasn't doing initially that I, I probably inadvertently picked up on in my upbringing. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Some of the, some of the impact. That I, first of all, I'm very sorry about your father. You know, that's, that's so tough. I can't imagine not growing up without my dad present. My dad's been a huge influence on my life. And I can't imagine how that is. So I definitely feel for you and I'm sorry for you to hear that. You know, and you mentioned the ebbs and flows of the, uh, like, money's here, we're living good, money's gone, we're not living good, we're used to it, let's do it again. And I find that in minority communities, myself included, my, my upbringing as well, a lot of my clients, it's the same way, you know. It's, a, it's like, you think about tax time, like tax time, Let's go have steak dinner. We're having a good time. You know, tax time before we're business owners at least. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now it's spaghetti after that, right? It's like. <laughs> but um, you know, and it's so easy to get in that and just adjust to it and flow with it and get stuck there. And like, you know, what? Well, I'll have money in a few months, so I'll be fine. And for now, we're, we're now we'll do without. And like that thing, that that's such that that's completely mindset thing like you said it's, it's something you learn as a kid and you see your family your parents do they saw their parents doing it just passes it down and at some point the cycle has to break so i'm glad to hear you broke the cycle um what what were some of the i know you mentioned you read some books you had a mentor what were some of the things that would help you get out of that that say even even when you began to make more money like i have clients who make six figures each year and they still do the same thing same exact yeah. thing so talking about some of the ways you're able to change that, make a shift there. Man, I think that there's so many different lessons that, that I can probably revert to. I think some of the early valuable lessons was like learning to pay myself first. And, um, you know, when I think about the idea of paying yourself first, it's like learning to save or like learning how much is actually yours. Right. And um, when I say like how much is yours as a 1099, you know, you, you get a you get a paycheck for 500 bucks and you, you're like, I, I just made 500 bucks. But you're not considering your expenses and your taxes that you would owe on that. And I think that one of the traps that I got into was that I got behind in my taxes. Mm -hmm. 
right? And I heard a coach um, for our company once say, uh, life is kind of like a, uh, it, it will teach you lessons with a feather, a brick and a truck. And the feather is like a little tickle, right? Like, so the feathers are like late payments on your taxes or you owe a little bit and you're on a payment plan. The brick is where, you know, you get, you get hit with a brick. Like you get hit hard where it's like, Hey, you gotta, we're going to take money out of your bank account or we're going to, uh, we're going to audit you. And now you owe five grand more. And it's like, and you didn't, you didn't have any cushion or any money set aside to handle those types of situations. And that's like the brick. And then there's the truck, which is, you know, what, what I obviously would never want to experience and I hope to continue to avoid, but that would be like a bankruptcy or like going under or like losing something that, that you've worked really hard for. And um, I think that sometimes it's easy to ignore the feather because it's just a little tickle, right? But it really boils down to, um, I think, your habits, right? Like the early habits that you develop with money um, are going to be your natural, um, like you revert to them, right? So if your habit is like, if you get a paycheck for a hundred bucks and you spend a hundred bucks, that's going to be the same when you make a thousand. And that's going to be the same when you make 10 grand. And, you know, we, we have these really cool bonus structures with the company. And I remember one year I got a paycheck for $25,000 was like one bonus check. Right. And at the time I was like 23, 24, and making 25 grand in one in one commission like one annual bonus check i was just i was so excited but similarly to all of my other paychecks um it was spent really really quickly right like i went and bought a car and i went and did this and i bought i bought these things that weren't really of any like long term value and i found myself in the same boat regardless of how big the uh the uh the income was so it's like learning all right, what habits do I need to shift? And I realized like putting some away uh, and having the self-awareness to know that like my savings, they have to be automated, right? Like my money has to be split up. It has to like disperse before it gets into, into my hands. And I, I like to, to think that I'm disciplined enough to say like, I won't spend it here. I'll, I'll, I'll be good. But I also, um, you know, I'm a salesperson. I know how to sell myself on an unnecessary need, you know? So I've set up these systems to like protect myself from myself, if that makes sense. That's what I always say, like back to the money purpose plan. I tell my clients, you've got to give that money a purpose or it's going to give itself one. And it, 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 it never fails. Like you said, you can make $1,000, you can make $20,000. But if you don't tell that money where to go before it gets there, it's going to tell itself where to go. And before you know it, it's gone. And, and that's one thing I focus on my clients a lot too is just because you got an increase in pay or you got a bonus or you've got a raise, it doesn't mean your, your cost of living went up. Your cost of living is still the same. Right. Why has it changed your cost of living? And just the mindset like that, helping people see this kind of thing it makes a huge difference on where they are financially. And I'm glad you're able to bring yourself to that. That's, that's really impressive. So um, you kind of touched on this area already a bit, but we'll go a little deeper. Um, share, share, share with us a time where, not necessarily a Mack truck, maybe a brick hit you, where, um, where you became an adult, where you realized, wow, you know, I'm independent. It sounds like you've been kind of independent your whole way through, but you know, I'm independent. Money's a real thing. I've got to make some wise decisions with this to avoid this Mack truck. Share with me a time like that where reality kind of smacked you in your face. Maybe you didn't avoid it, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely got smacked, um, you know, probably about seven years ago, six years ago with taxes. You know, I just let them, I let them go one year and, um, and it just set up like a really big challenge for me. And it's, it's something that me and my wife have ha had to navigate for like a, a, a big period of time. And it was just, you know, it was, a it was a temporary lack of judgment that created like long-term pain. And I recognize the value of just being smarter with that. And, and also just kind of taking that part seriously. So paying my taxes, that was, that was probably the first thing. And I know that that's a little bit different for many, probably many of your, your listeners that are W2s or maybe not. Um, but I know for me, it's like they never took uh, taxes out. So it was always something that felt like a surprise at the end until I got ahead of it. Um, and I would probably say another one where, where money really started feeling real 
was when I found out I was going to be a father. I found out that I was going to have my oldest when I was 20 years old. So, you know, I, I, I was like, I wasn't even sure what I wanted to do. There were so many things that were scary about that. And then when my daughter, when I found out my daughter was on the way, um, it was one of those, those conversations with myself where it's like, I got to, I got to create the life that I've been talking about wanting to create with my kid for my kids, even if I'm not ready. And one of my biggest goals, and I think this might be stem from my, my upbringing and my lack of having a father was like, I always wanted to be uh, uh, an involved, available and present father. Like I just wanted to be there and I wanted to experience that relationship. And I wanted, I wanted to be the thing that I didn't have. And I knew that in order to do that, I was going to have to have the, the time freedom. And I think that that's where financial like um, well-being really leads to, right? It's like, it's the quality of life or it's the, it's like, it's almost like you're buying time, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, you're buying that extra time to where you can get off of work at three o'clock and it's not going to affect your ability to pay the bills. Or you can take, you know, a week off during the first week of school because you got three kids distance learning and you don't know how you're going to handle it and you got to make sure everything's working. And it's like, you can be present for those moments because you've done the right things initially. And I guess um, the timing, although I was really young and it was a little bit unexpected, it, it forced me to look at things differently and say, all right this is what you've wanted, maybe not packaged the way that you expected, but it's here and it's here now. So what are you going to do with it? And um, I, I really just, I looked at it as an opportunity for me to grow and to mature and to say, all right, I got to, I got to make some shifts in my, my habits. And that was when I really got serious about earning. And then also I would say probably my first wave of savings, right? Like I, I started doing some long-term savings. I, I started my, uh, my IRA when I was 18 or 19 or so. So there were some other things that I started earlier, but these were when I, I really started getting serious about the way I was looking at my money. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's two, you shared two things that were both, both huge. You know, the first one was taxes and like, I was, it's so much easier to be proactive rather than reactive. But you know, like you said, you're not seeing the tax, no one's taking the taxes out your check. So right. So figure out how to sit down and work with a CPA or a professional to figure out how much do I need to be putting aside because they're not going to forget about you forever. You know, they might not come get you year one or year two or even year five, but they're going to, when they want to tug on you, the IRS is coming. So that, that's just all about being proactive and the business owners listening to, uh, listening to this, I encourage you guys to sit down with the CPA, sit down with a tax professional, and just figure out where you are and what you need to do to get right. Because you don't want to deal with that, this thing, like Jameson said, it's not, it's not a one year problem at that point. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it becomes a multiple year problem. And secondly, you talked about having your first child and the, the mind shift that happens there. And back to the seeds that got planted in your childhood, you wanted to be present. You know, you don't want to just be there, but you actually want to be present both mentally and physically spending time with your daughter, but also to be able to provide with her, provide for her a better financial life than you had coming up. And, you know, there's so much there to unpack. You know, there's so much, it's, it's such a balancing act because I, I, you know, I have children too, a business owner also. And, and I want to be here with this at the soccer games and I want to be coaching, but also wants to have food on the table too. So right. it's, it's such a balancing act. Talk to me about how you're able to manage that. I know your your wife works, but I believe your first daughter had a different mother. So, you right, yeah, yeah. So um, when I was twenty, uh, I hadn't I hadn't talked to my oldest daughter's mom for a little while. It'd been a couple months, and she kind of called me and was like, "Hey," and I was like, "Oh, okay." Uh, so it's definitely a little bit un unexpected. Um, but um, you know, as far as the the parenting element and how we we find those those balances right like you you mentioned something earlier about priorities right and i found that that two really easy ways to identify people's priorities is how they spend their time and how they spend their money right and those two things you can look back at and you could say all right well where were you spending your time and i've also one of the things that i think was really valuable 
Uh, and it, it's almost, uh, I, I remember hearing this lesson from that movie, Pursuit of Happiness. It's one of my favorite movies. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but yeah. I, I loved it. Um, but there was this scene where Will Smith is uh, working and, he, and he's talking about his day. And he's like, I got to get finished by this time in order to get to this bus stop in order to be here. So that means that I got to work this much more uh, efficiently than the person that I'm working with, right? I got to do this much and this amount of time. And I had to do that. And he had like these systems in place to create the time for him to, to, to be where he needs to be outside of work. And I, I remember seeing that movie and I'm like, I need to do that with my family. Like I need to learn how to be just as effective as the business owner who has 12 hours a day to work. I just need to learn how to be more uh, effective in those eight hours. And, and I, I really used it as a, I guess like an opportunity to challenge myself to learn how to be more productive, more focused, and just more diligent with my time and also create systems or layers in my business to where if there was a season where I wanted to spend more time or if there was a season like, you know, a soccer season, for example, where I wanted to have multiple times uh, a week or throughout a, a month where I was going to be less available, um, there was something in place to where I could, I could fill that void with uh, uh, an employee or a, an assistant or somebody that can take that workload and still get it done effectively leveraging my time to be able to focus on the more important tasks or the more uh, the higher priorities for me yeah the, the your things you value and i feel like a lot of times people have such a hard time with that like my class they have said and i have, I have to tell them and reiterate back to them what they told me you told me you value xyz but where you're spending your money your time at it looks like you value abc versus xyz so it's either your values are not aligned with your, with your spending habits or spending, spending habits are not aligned with what you truly value. And yeah. In that, in that frame, it helps people see, oh, I guess you're right. You know, I do value X, Y, Z. Why am I spending my time and my money on ABC? Right. Put it, where it needs to be. And, and I think just sometimes sitting down and taking time to breathe and look at where you're spending your money at it makes a huge difference it makes a huge difference for myself and my clients for sure yeah i think that's probably something i i forgot to mention is that every week i do this thing it's it's called an hour of power and an hour i take one hour to where i review um my calendar it's where i review like what's important it's where i look at maybe some habits or projects that i was working on and i and i reflect on like what progress have i made or what progress have i not made that i need to make adjustments in and this also includes like um you know some financial goals and some financial like um trajectories that we're trying to create with our household and things that we want to accomplish so just taking that time to plan and i think that in our society like we have such a hurry and go society where it's just like go 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 and it makes us very reactive. It makes us like we we react to every little thing that pops up, right? We're we're got we're kind of like this notification generation where it's like every time there's an alert, we like we look at it or we try to fix it instead of just creating the space to be proactive and say this is the this is the path that I want to take, and I'm not going to allow the outside things that aren't in alignment, right? I'm not going to live in this zone of reactivity. I'm going to stay in alignment with what's important to me and I'm just going to keep moving forward and I'll get to those, those, uh, those alerts. I'll get to those notification as I've allotted time for it. So you create the spaces to be able to do those things. And that's one of the hardest things to break because, and this is probably can go on like a different type of podcast or whatever, but there's been a lot of science that, that indicates like we get addicted to that, right? There's that, that, that dopamine or that serotonin that gets released when we get a notification or when we get a like on a photo or when we get a text message, like we feel good and it's recognizing that it's a false sense of feeling good and it's not really what makes you feel good. It's just a momentary burst of pleasure. And it's like, you got to give up what feels good for what is good. And I know for me, like I feel great and way more fulfilled when I'm spending time with my kids, I'm having quality time with my wife, or like I have the phone upstairs turned off and I'm like in the kitchen cooking. Uh, you know, there's just like stuff that I like to do. And when you isolate yourself and you prioritize that, it makes the other parts of your life um, go more smoothly. Yeah, no, it's, I, I'm so big on, you said something that I always tell my clients, you got to be proactive rather than reactive. 
I say that a lot when it comes to tax strategy and planning with my business owners as well. But, you know, in planning in general and finance in general, when you're that's back to that money purpose plan, what that is is being proactive. You already know where your money's going before it's getting there. You know, I had a client who recently came to a, a huge settlement. Now, now she actually was awarded this money, um, a couple million dollars. And her biggest thing was, I'd like to have this money purpose before it gets here because she's being proactive. And she, it's, it's so important to be proactive because like you said, like you've experienced, like I've said, and I've experienced, no matter how much money it is, if you don't, if you're not proactive with it, it's going to figure out where it's going to go on its own. And, right. like, and that goes back into so many areas, like you said, Don, where you're spending your time. The, the time with your kids is not going to just happen. It, it, the, it's, it's, the times and the things that you value, it's not just going to happen on its own. Right. You're going to sit there and structure your day around, okay, I want, I want to coach soccer tonight. I got, so I, I'm going to be there. I want it and I'm going to be there. Let me make everything else fit into that rather than making this fit into my, my day. And that takes some planning and being proactive about that. So um, we're going to pause right here, hear a word from our sure. sponsors into it, okay? Great. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's your host and wealth advisor with Homes Financial, Peyton Boyer. You know, many times what I do for my client is help them secure the peace of mind of knowing they have enough. You know, as millennials, it's easy to feel like we don't have enough. Enough to secure the financial future we're hoping for and also enjoy our lives now. But that's why one thing I do with all of my clients is what I like to call a money purpose plan. And make sure that their current spending is aligned with what's most important to them. That way they're able to enjoy their life now while they track towards their financial goals. If you're interested in securing your money purpose plan, please reach out to me. You can contact me at my phone, 916-271-1974, or email me at Payton, that's P-A-Y-T-O-N at Holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S, Finn, F-I-N, dot com. I look forward to hearing from you. Let's get back to the show. So as a business owner, like as a person in general, it's hard to ever consider yourself successful. But as a business owner, I'd say it's even tougher because, you know, we're always trying to push the line, always trying to achieve new goals and hit new numbers. So as a but one thing I do know is you might not be successful. You might not consider yourself successful right now. But I'm sure you're more successful now than you were 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. so, so let's say you had a time machine. Let's say you had a time machine. You, you, you could go back 10 years and talk to your previous self. What are some things you te- you tell yourself to, uh, as far as financial concerns are, as, as far as, um, what are some things you tell yourself financially, some decisions to make, just some things you tell yourself? Yeah, so... Um... You know, looking back at the last decade or so, um, it's been pretty interesting because there's been some really, really big shifts in in our in our financial health, right? Like I, I would say that my income is is probably tripled, if not quadrupled, uh, over that time frame. And when I think about some of the things that I did, uh, I already told you some of the lessons that I've learned and, and would attempt to avoid. So I would already coach like, hey, pay your taxes, like. Forget about the thing that you think you need, and I would do that. But I've also learned that compound interest is not just for saving money, right? You get compound interest in personal development. And I think that sometimes that gets overlooked, um, that, you know, people will, they'll focus on developing a technical skill and they won't work on themselves and they won't, they won't uh, learn new habits, new disciplines, or um, seeking new ways of, of accomplishing things or more efficient ways. And I would, uh, I would probably encourage myself to dive more into personal development um, and make that a higher priority at that point in my life. And uh, this would also include like health. Um, you know, in my, in my late 20s, early, early mid, mid to late 20s, uh, drank a lot, went out to eat a lot, didn't cook at home frequently, didn't exercise very much. I was just kind of young and I just kept pushing. And I realized that that actually led to feelings of burnout and not like feeling great about myself. And that unfortunately had an impact on my ability to earn. 
And when I started taking care of myself and focusing on my personal development and showing up uh, to learn how to improve myself so I could show up better in my business, show up better in my family, that compound interest allowed me to become more effective. Like it grew over time, right? Um, so that that's probably something that I would say is like, learn how to improve yourself, learn how to develop those new disciplines and habits and have the awareness of like what trajectory that you're on. Like if you could, you see the path and you see the, the choices that you're making. Um, I had this conversation with a, a lot of my sales reps. It's like when you're 18, all those bad habits that you have when you're 18, they don't magically go away when you're 30. They exponentiate, right? It's like, if you're the person that was doing bad stuff when you're 18, you're going to be doing worse stuff when you're 30. <laughs> At the same time though, like if you're doing great stuff when you're 18, you're going to be doing even better stuff when you're 30. And it's like being aware of the trajectory that you put yourself on and realize like it's going to build on itself either direction, but it's going to build in the direction that you go. So like having the, the awareness of like, okay, what do, what do I want to earn financially? And, and then looking at like, okay, if my goal is to earn a certain amount of income, like, you know, doing this, it's not just about doing more, but it's what type of person do I have to become in order to accomplish that sort of thing? Like, do I have the discipline to be able to work at that level? Do I have the, uh, do I have the skill set to accomplish the things necessary to do those things? And if the answer is no to either of those, how do I develop the skill set? How do I develop the disciplines? And then working on yourself and then building off of that. Hey, that is an awesome answer. And it's not what I expected, but that was, that was a huge answer. And, you know, self-development and personal development and investing in yourself not just financially or investing back in, especially as a business owner, not just investing in the business, but investing in yourself and your knowledge and your, um, it, it's just, it's huge. And, and like, when you talk about compounding interest, the develop, the, um, the growth that's going to do for you and for your business and the way you feel about yourself, even when it comes down to physical development and working out and changing your diet, the impacts of that are huge, especially as someone who's trying to, better themselves financially when you feel good about yourself it shows and right someone in a position like yours where you're doing you're doing face-to-face -face sales at one point it, you have, it has to be there you have to know this guy's confident he feels good about himself he's happy about where he is and that comes from both being together financially financially but also physically and investing in yourselves um I'm going to leave some show in, in the show notes. I'm going to leave some contact information. If that's okay with you, Jameson. Yeah, absolutely. The people who want to, who might want to reach out and might, you might have some good books, some self-development books. You might, you, you might have personally read yourself. Um, sure. Any, t any tips you have, I'll leave it. You, if you'd like to contact Jameson, I'll leave that in here. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you were to say like just any last financial tips or just tips in general or, no, we're not there yet. We're not there. Okay. <laughs> so just contact info. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just contact info information just to reach out to you. Sure, yeah. So um, to, you, you guys can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's the Jameson Jones um, is, my, is my handle. So it's uh, J-A-Y-M-I-S-O-N um, Jones. And then so the Jameson Jones. You can find me on Facebook. Um our landing page for for like people that are looking for work um we just updated it give me a second i just want to make sure that i got it confirmed so i don't give you guys the wrong one but if you guys are looking for work or you're looking for something in uh as far as like additional income goes or something that uh something like that so it's sacramentostudentwork.com so if you go there you can learn more about vector and how to apply if you're looking as a student for something uh to work around your classes or just something supplemental to your income uh for working with our company and uh, that's great i'll leave all that in the show notes to, to the episode as well guys so you guys just click the link and you get straight to it but um you know you kind of touched on this earlier earlier in the in the interview you talked about staying aligned with the things that you can control mm -hmm. and that we'll go a little deeper on that when i ask this this um question because there's so much going on in the world right now you know with the COVID 19 and you know working from home we, we had, everyone everyone had to make a huge pivot uh this the social distancing the like you mentioned before the distant learning for your for your children mm -hmm. 
So in times like this, it's very easy to develop a sense of uncertainty and it's very difficult to keep a sense of certainty. So what are some things you've done personally, personally to maintain a sense of certainty in what's otherwise uncertain times? Um, you know, this is uh this has been one of those also like kind of like roller coaster experiences, right? I remember in the beginning of COVID and us finding out that all of our events were going away, like that was a big chunk of our business, right? Like last year, um, my division, we sold $4.6 million worth of Cutco wow. and 1.5 million of it came from our vendor events. So by March, we're, we're only at about 150 to 200,000 for the year because most of the events happen in the, um, in the summer season. So when we found out that they're all gone, I'm like, man, we just lost one third of the entire business. You know, what are, what are we going to do? And I would be lying if I told you that I wasn't panicked initially. I was very like, uh, I was very concerned, but then I, I took some space to think like, to really just think like, well, what is within my control? Like, this is something that everybody's experiencing. And what are some of the advantages to this? Like, what are the benefits? And I think that sometimes when things don't go to our expectation, right? We have like a, a line of expectation and then there's a reality line. And I found that anywhere where the, the reality line is below expectation, we find frustration, disappointment, anger, resentment, like all these negative things. If we're, if we're equal to it, we're good. And then if you surpass that expectation, this is like the land of everything's great, right? So I think being mindful of what your expectations are and how you're interpreting those in that moment. And I think that what created the most frustration is that I had this expectation that we were on this trajectory where things were going to be great and it was going to be our best year ever. And we were going to grow to, you know, five and a half to $6 million in, in divisional sales. And it was going to be amazing. And then, you know, this, this thing comes into play, it interrupts that. And now I'm like, what am I going to do? And so I took some time to think like, well, what is within my control, my attitude, my effort, what I focus on, the story that I tell myself, how I view this, this situation. And I realized that there were opportunities to help a lot of people despite these things going on. So I started with my initial sales team and we worked out other ways to interact with our customers and provide service and also create and generate revenue for our, our sales reps who relied so much on our event business. Uh, so that was step one. Step two was like helping uh, students find work and helping realize like there was a lot of people who are going to be needing work. So creating new opportunities to train and interact and work with new representatives and new platforms for them to succeed. So we just try to be solution oriented. And I think that that's one thing. Uh, another thing is, is just having real conversations with yourself, right? So what's important, what's not important, what's a real necessity, what's not a necessity, and continuing to look for ways to improve your value because I found the marketplace will always compensate based off of your value. So if you can create a lot of value, you'll find ways to get compensated even in a time of a pandemic or a recession. Um, that's why most billionaires are created through these waves of recessions because they found ways to provide massive amount of value in times of need. So if you're curious, you ask the right questions and you seek good solutions, I think that, that people can, can make it out of this and make it out much better than they even anticipated. Okay, now that was a great answer. Just to reiterate, um, let me know if I heard you correct. Just to summarize, you know, first of all, focus on, on things that you can control. Focus on the things you can control, first of all. Spend your time there. That hasn't changed, you know. So focus on those things that you have control over that weren't just didn't just go away with this whole pandemic right and seek for ways to make things work in in these times you know it's like to seek for little windows or little these little windows of opportunity that present themselves in these times like i know you the uh, division of your teams they sell they do door door knives guess what when all the restaurants are closed a lot more people are working and cooking at home right People are working from so they're cooking more okay so there's a little bit of opportunity to open them they opened up there and i think that's big it's been big for me uh throughout this whole thing as a business owner is focusing on uh let's let's look at it from a different perspective let's not just let's not just get hit with this mac truck and lay down and be dead okay let's we're under the truck now so let's see what we can see from down here right and i think um 
think that kind of summarizes, you know, I think that's an awesome, that's an awesome answer. Um, this is the last question of the show. I'm really glad to have you on. Uh, the word success, you know, financial success means a lot of different people, a lot of different things to different people. It means different things to ourselves at different times. So what it means to you today, it might not mean to you 10 years from now and probably didn't mean the same thing to you 10 years ago. But um, as of today, Jameson Jones today, 2020, what does financial success look like to you? And and I'm sure you're right on point with this. To me, I always ask my clients, not look at it from a dollar amount, but let's look at it of a quality of life. So what does that financial success lifestyle look like to you, Jameson? Yeah, I, th I think the idea of financial success, as you mentioned, can be interpreted based off of uh, the person. But ultimately, it's that are you are you able to earn and live within the lifestyle that you have that you want, right? Like, are you, are you living into the expectations while still being mindful of the future, right? So are you, are you able to do all the things that you're wanting to do right now without limitation or infringing on your priorities while still also prioritizing what's uh, around the corner? So financial success would be, um, you know, are you meeting, are you meeting your needs with also with, with the ability to, to, to grow in the future? So um, I don't know that it's necessarily how much you make. It's more about what you do with what you make. So I, I know we kind of discussed that already, but it's really just more about, are you, are you earning what you need to earn? And are you using that money the right way to still fulfill uh, your priorities and are you are you living where you want to live because we only get the one life right this is like this yeah. is it and you know one of the the things I, I heard recently was like uh, somebody mentioned they have they have a, a 15 year old daughter and he's like you know I only have three summers left and with my with my 11 year old I only have seven summers left yeah and I, I thought about that and I was like man that's actually a really interesting way of looking at it because you know, we think that our kids are always going to be there, but these moments of time are only here. For, so for me, it's like, have I created, uh, like, have I structured my income and my, my earning to be able to prioritize what's important? So yeah, that that's a great answer. That's an awesome answer. You know, it's so yeah, you know, you keep we keep going back to the money purpose plan. And like, what I tell people, like, if I'm talking to someone for a short conversation, they ask me a question, like, how can I get off to a better financial start? I always say, earn more than you spend and save something. You know, it's it's just because if you if you're spending your money where it needs to go, on where your values are, and you're still able to save something, you're doing a great job. You know, everything's accounted for, and I'm not just saying you know, your necessities, your bills, but also we gotta account for the time you want to. Like I said, you only have three years left. Let's make sure we're doing things with our daughter these three years that we got left and still have the ability to save something. You know, you're, you're winning at that point. You're doing a good job. Right. So, man, Jameson, I've really enjoyed having you on this show. You've been awesome. Yeah, having me. Anybody who wants to reach out to Jameson, like I said, his contact information is going to be in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoyed the show, and I hope you guys found it valuable. You guys have a great day, and God bless. Congratulations, guys. You've officially made it to the disclosure portion of the show. I'm an investment advisor representative of securities offered through Bertha Fisher & Company, Financial Services, Inc., BFCFS member FINRA-SIPC. Holmes Financial is independent of BFCFS. Thanks, and have a blessed week.